It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Let's get out to the guest line brought to you by uh, Smart Rain. Uh, excuse me, uh, Brought to you by SmartRain.net. It's no mystery. Utah is in an extreme drought. That is why SmartRain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at SmartRain.net. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated is our friend Chris Mannix. Hello, Chris. What's happening, guys? Hey, we're just trying to digest the ending of that Jazz Clippers series because, uh, I mean, to lose four consecutive and uh, lose game six the way they did was pretty epic in a negative way. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's, a, it's a far bigger failure, I think, than what happened in the bubble last year. At least in the bubble last year, you can say, look, we didn't have Bojan Bogdanovich. We were still kind of recovering from the drama of the locker room months earlier. Mike Conley missed the first part of that series, and he wasn't the player he was for most of this season. It's it's pretty crushing. Um to, to lose like that, to you know, see Terrence Mann go off and and beat you up, to see Reggie Jackson go off and beat you up. I mean, I don't. There's really no way to sugarcoat it. And, and as much as anything, like this was the year that a championship window was wide open. I mean, there's no boogeyman out there. I mean, the Bucks are in it, the Hawks are in it, the Suns and Clippers are now in it, and nobody's unbeatable amongst those four teams. And you know, if if next season we see the rise of the Nets or the return of LeBron and the Lakers. Uh, you know, the Jazz might will look at this as as a pretty big missed opportunity. Chris, what was and you know this, but what what was so strange about that game six? The Jazz were playing some of the best basketball they've played all season long in the first half, and then the second half they played the worst basketball that we've seen them play all season long. How do you explain that? It's hard because. I mean, they. I think they came out of the locker room with the wrong attitude. I thought they felt the game was over, and especially defensively, they just coasted. Uh, and that's that's not really something you saw much of from the Jazz during most of the season. If nothing else, their defense had improved measurably from the year before. I mean, they were pretty locked in for for most of the year. To see the the Clippers just hit open three after open three. I mean, like they, they, these weren't like. I mean, some of them were tough shots, I guess, but you look at those, some of those corner threes that you know Terrence Mann made, Patrick Beverly knocking down corner threes. I mean, it, you know, they're, that, that's on the defense, no question about it. So, I mean, there, there are plenty of reasons that they kind of stalled offensively, but, you know, the defense is inexcusable. You just play even, you know, a, a hair better defense, you probably win that game. You know, it's simple as that. So I, I, I think I was more disappointed about the defensive effort than I was about anything they did offensively. Chris Mannix is with us, uh, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. It's your daily assist here uh, on uh, on the big show. You know, you never like to talk about uh, injuries. You know, people think the excuses and that sort of thing. But how much, uh, you know, seeing Mike in a limited role there in game six, how much did they miss him in this series? Well, they missed him a lot. There's no doubt. I mean, he was great for them all season, first round, all that. But it, it is no excuse. I mean, Whatever Mike, Con- what are they were missing in Mike Conley? You know, to, to lose back-to-back games to a Clipper team without Kawhi Leonard, like the scales tilted more significantly that way, right? With Kawhi 
out of the lineup than you know Mike Conley or out or Kawhi limited or even uh, or uh, Conley limited or even with Donovan Mitchell being limited because he clearly was with that that ankle injury. I mean that is a legit top five player, top six player in the NBA. They lost and they plugged in guys that were second round picks in the case of Terrence Mann, you know mid season pickups of minimum guys like Reggie Jackson, uh, Beverly who. He's very offensively limited. These guys are just making shots and slicing up that Jazz defense. So, yeah, I mean, the Conley injury hurt, but, you know, this this really is a, a kick in the gut, I think, for the Jazz to, to have an opportunity with Kawhi going down to advance, to have an opportunity to win a championship this year uh, and to see it kind of slip through their fingers. Uh, you know, it, it's going to haunt them for a while. So along that same line, Chris, Jake and I have been talking about it. I wrote about it. Uh, what do the Jazz need and as you observe, and we know that you paid pretty close attention to the Jazz this year, uh, mm-hmm. Jake and I decided they need they need uh, at least one, maybe two strong perimeter defenders to add this yeah. because Rudy Rudy Gobert can't guard everybody. He just can't do it, and then he gets blamed because nobody's staying between their man and the basket. But that's our conclusion. What do you think? No, I agree. Um, you know, Rudy does get blamed because the highlights will show Rudy getting beat, right? Like Reggie Jackson attacking Rudy and and hitting those two layups over him. Like that is catnip for the anti-Rudy brigade, you know, for people to say that, you know, Rudy's not the defender that, you know, he's, he's sort of pegged to be. It has been during the regular season. Um, But you got to stop your man. You've got to prevent these guys from just coasting in because even middling offensive players, they have a wide open lane you know, they're going to find ways to get a shot over and in over longer defenders. So, yeah, look, Royce O'Neal is fine, but, uh, it, you know, if I'm, you know, Dennis Lindsay, Justin Zanuck, I- I'm prioritizing some kind of sturdy wing defender, either via trade or, or free agent signing. I- I'd also you know, probably look to upgrade that bench in terms of scoring, you know, maybe add one more perimeter score. I mean, it's easier said than done uh, to do that. But, you know, I-, I think if you make a couple of tweaks to this Jazz team, they have a chance to be right back here in this position again next year uh but you know yeah that that perimeter defense it was a problem not just in this series but the previous one and and that's something they need to address how much credit should ty Lue get for coming up with a game plan uh that really gave the jazz trouble for those four consecutive games on both sides of the floor oh he, he deserves a, a ton of credit i mean you go back to the maverick series i mean dallas was in total control uh up 0-2 or two zip in that series and ty made the adjustment to play small and it was really effective in helping them win four of the next five. Um, they were not the same adjustments. They're similar type adjustments that Ty made after uh, the first couple of games of uh, this past series. And uh, they were really good. I mean, coaching matters uh, in these moments. Ty pushed all the right buttons. I mean, his development of Terrence Mann this year, uh, you know, it helped get him to the point where he was comfortable contributing at this level and at this time in the postseason. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it reflects and says that Quinn's a bad coach, but I think Ty was the – the superior coach in the series. So, Chris, you said there's no monster team out there. Uh, who do you like on the uh, the teams that are left? Who are you looking at? Yeah, it, it feels like this is Milwaukee's opportunity. Um, they're probably the most talented team that's left. I mean, Phoenix with Chris Paul and Aiton and Booker, they can make a case for it. Uh, but, you know, the Bucks have continuity. They've got playoff experience, having gone pretty deep. You know, the last couple of years, uh, they're going to have, you would think, the best player on the floor, Giannis, uh, when he's out there. And, 
you know, they, they've definitely got to get a springboard after what they did in those last two games against Brooklyn. Granted, you know, Kyrie was out and James Harden was not the player he has been when he, before his injury, but you know, to survive, you know, those Kevin Durant onslaughts and, and win, that's going to give you, give you a bounce. So they'll be a favorite, a heavy favorite, I think, going to this Hawks series. And then whoever comes out of the Western Conference, be it Phoenix or the Clippers, I think the Bucks can and will be a favorite in that series as well. And you know, what a remarkable turnaround that would be. I mean, down 3-2, you know, Mike Budenholzer is like on jobs.com at that point. Like, you know, you're, you're starting to wonder about Rick Carlisle coming in to replace him. Now, you know, Mike Budenholzer, a chance at redemption. Giannis to, a chance to continue to shut up the people that have said he's only a regular season player, doesn't deserve the MVP. I mean, this is uh, quite the run that uh, that the Bucks can go on. And I think they should be considered the favorite uh, the rest of the pack. Where do the Sixers go from here? It seems like Ben Simmons has taken a lot of heat today. Yeah, and it's hard to see a pathway for Ben Simmons to continue with the Sixers, not just because of his performance, which was truly terrible. I mean, you know, four games in a row where you don't attempt a shot in the fourth quarter. That video of him passing up a dunk to give it up to Batiste Teibel is, you know, they're going to play that next to Ben Simmons for weeks and months to come. And then to kind of see your coach and your star teammate not really support you and that's that, that that has to you know resonate in this process as well. I mean, you know, Joel Embiid was said in no uncertain terms that the turning point of the game was that moment where Simmons passed the title. Doc Rivers asked point blank if Ben could be the point guard on a championship team, said he didn't know. Like, even if you don't know, you you gotta say yes, right? Like you gotta back your guy no matter what if you still believe in him. And that, that gave me plenty of reason to think that uh that the Sixers don't believe him. Then you have to factor in Daryl Morey you know, he inherited Ben Simmons. He didn't you know, draft him, so there's no loyalty there. I would expect the Sixers to aggressively shop him. Now, where he goes, I don't know. Uh, Portland makes a lot of sense in a C.J. McCollum deal for both sides. That, that seems to be uh, a deal that could, could really work to help them both. Uh, obviously, keep your eye on Washington and Bradley Beal, but you know, at this point, I would be surprised if Simmons is back for another tour with the Sixers next year. This is one of the problems we were talking about before, Chris, with what the Jazz need this this perimeter defender, uh, 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 preferably a guy who is longer, but who can play some defense. But if he if he can't shoot at the other end, then it, it screws up all the spacing in the offense. It does, and that's why. Well, two things. One, if Ben Simmons is going to continue on like this version of Ben Simmons, he really has to be surrounded by a whole bunch of shooters. That's why when I mentioned Portland, it kind of makes some sense with Damian Lillard there, and you know his scoring ability, shooting ability would mask some of the deficiencies of Simmons and that defense that was just horrible in Portland this year would really benefit from Ben's presence. But look, to me, Ben has to commit to, you know, fundamentally changing his shot. Like, you know, and it's not like this is a groundbreaking idea. Like we have seen players, several of them, key players in the past, you know, change their shot and be better for it. I mean, Kawhi Leonard came out of San Diego state, a non-shooter. He went to San Antonio, started working with Chip England, changed his shot really to, to he, they, what they did in San Antonio was show him how, how show him Kobe shot and said, you know, you, we can t- have you shoot this way. And Kawhi embraced it. And he has become a very consistent uh, three point shooter. Like, uh, you know, Ben, there are still some people in the NBA guys that think Ben is shooting with the wrong hand. Like th- that's where we are with Ben Simmons right now, not just his form, but maybe his hand is off. So like, there's, I, I think there has to be something radically done to Ben Simmons. I don't think it's a, 
a confidence thing. I mean, it is a little bit of a confidence thing, but it's not like a Markel Fultz-like case of the yips. I don't think that's the case with Ben Simmons. I think his is just that his his form is just wrong, and I think somebody has to get him into the lab, change that shot, have him commit to it, and then hope that that is a product that 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 work will yield better results. The other thing too, you have to do with him. It, it, like you can't expect Ben Simmons, who, who attempted I think 13 three pointers during the regular season, to all of a sudden become a threat in the playoffs. Like it, it, whoever Ben Simmons' next coach is, be it Doc Rivers or somebody else, they have to say to Ben, like Ben, if you don't take three threes a game, you're running laps in the gym the next day. It's like you know, see the movie Major League, what they said to Willie Mays Hayes, like if you hit the ball in the air, you got to do push-ups, you know, before. Like that's what we say to Ben Simmons, like Ben. Like, if you don't take three threes, I don't care where they're from, but if you don't take these three threes per game, you, you are not – something negative is going to happen to you. Like, that, there's got to be kind of some tough love shown to Ben Simmons that way because you've got to get him at least trying to shoot the three-point shot. Maybe he needs to introduce Joe Boo. Joe Boo? Joe Boo. No, the, yeah. the, the, the doll? <laughs> <laughs> Bartenders, Joe Boo needs a refill. Uh, Chris, thank you very much, uh, as always, for jumping on with us. We really appreciate it. You got it, guys. Chris Mannix, Senior NBA Writer for Sports Illustrated. Where Harris does the rum shot and then yeah. walks in and gets hit with the bat. What a classic movie that is. Oh, one of my favorites. You know... I was going to bring up with Chris his earlier evaluation. Of Ben Simmons? Yeah. yeah. yeah well, I, what what, um, what good would that do? Really? There's no reason. Uh, and, and I get used to this because, you know, when you're right and then you try and rub it in people's faces when they're wrong when, and when it's proven that they're wrong, there's really no use and there's no real value in doing that. And I, 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 I kind of hold back on that quite frequently. But yeah. <laughs> Even yeah. when you're wrong, you make victory laps. <laughs> you have been right on a number of occasions, and I've told you that. Even so. a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while, Gordon. But, yeah, I I think some, some what do they say, some pigeons are coming home to roost a little bit for Ben Simmons and the 76ers. Is that what comes home to roost? Pigeons? The, pigeons? Yeah. Chickens? Chickens. Heard this. Chickens. Pigeons come home to roost? Pigeons? I don't know. Who are you, Chickens? Bert and Ernie? Chickens come home to roost. Well, you know, like honing pigeon. You know, they they always find their way back. Uh-huh. All right. Well, in, in Mary Poppins, what's the, what's the song, Austin? When when they, out there feed feeding the pigeons, the birds, tuppence a bag. That's how Richard yeah, Cheese says, would sing it. Yeah, it just says uh, feed, feed the birds, the birds tuppence a bag. What is that? What's that sentence? What's that about? Tuppen? What, what? Tuppence, two pence. Ah, okay. Get it together there. Have you never seen Mary Poppins? Yes, and I saw Saving Mr. Banks, too. I saw, and I saw Mary Poppins on Broadway, too. It was quite good. You know what I heard about Saving Mr. Banks, which is, uh, uh, I think, a really great movie? I thought it was good. Is that she didn't come around to the idea as much as they led you to believe in yeah. that movie? Heard that she was still very she was still mad. She's still very grumpy about, about the those thing. about those cartoonish penguins yeah, and, and the whatnot. singing and dancing and all that. Yeah, I heard that. You know, they 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 made it like oh, she came around. She got her money though. Yeah, I'm sure she did. Yeah, One of the most successful see. movies of all time. I'm sure she, she did. Fine. She was going to lose her house, and she was played by Emma Thompson. Right? Isn't that who that was? Yeah. She, you know, she got her start in comedy. Did you know that? 
No, I'm not familiar with the, the complete biography of Emma Thompson. The question is, why are you? Because I think she's a talented lady. <laughs> Boy, she played she played that part well though. She was she was an angry woman, man. She was an angry woman. Everyone was trying to please her. She just was mad. What else have you enjoyed Emma Thompson in, Gordon? <laughs> well, I saw her on... A big fan of all of her work? <laughs> well, she was just... Isn't she in Cruella? Is she? I thought so. I don't know. I don't I saw, plan on I seeing saw her on some, on some uh, you know, late-night talk shows. <laughs> so what? You just fired up a quick Google, quick Google search? <laughs> Look in. Ah, oh, this... Emma Thompson is fascinating. Let's, oh, she started in comedy. Who I've always know? She's funny. She's a funny woman. That's what I'm trying to say to you. A lot of times people, you know, get pigeonholed into a certain, a certain kind of role. Pigeons and... again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Tuppins. <laughs> Sing that again. That was pretty no. good. I, I was really impressed with the quality of the acting and singing and dancing on Broadway with that Mary Poppins. How did we go from saw, Chris Mannix uh, to this? I saw the movie and by the uh, way, when I was younger. I saw the movie, but then when I saw the play, I thought, wow, these people are really talented. You know, What a hot take you got there. Wow, those <laughs> people on Broadway are really good at singing, dancing, and acting. <laughs> There's a first. I mean, I went in with low expectations, <laughs> just completely low. It was no Octopus's you know? Garden, but. I mean, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, that was that know, I, made Broadway. I went in thinking, oh, I saw this at the local high school. This isn't going to be any better. Oh, man. Austin, I thought you really sang that well. Have you played <laughs> the part? Uh, have you been uh, of the, of the bird lady? The bird lady at the park? Is that who Austin played? No. The... <laughs> That that is who you're. Oh. Is that who was singing the who'd song? You, who'd you yes. get cast as Austin Burt? <laughs> Wait, no, no, I got the Bird Lady. He's <laughs> cleaning the chimney. I got the Bird Lady, man. I gotta I gotta stand there and uh, covered in bird poop. It's great. Mm. It's the part I was born to play. There are no small roles. <laughs> and I gotta go falsetto because after all, you know, it is a Bird Lady. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Austin, what's the most embarrassing part you ever this. had to play? Yeah, for this right here. No, no. You're, and, you're, you're you know, here. Executive producer of the zone. <laughs> All right, we'll have more next. Coming up uh, on the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.